As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Ultimately, I'm going to keep saying it. Get 1% better every day. Just get a little bit better every day. Welcome back. To 1% Better, this is Zach Kiefer joined by James Boyd, and we've made it. It's September 8th. The first game is in three days, September 11th in Houston. We were heading down to Houston on Saturday. Colts kick off the 2022 season at 1 o'clock on Sunday. I know everybody out there is excited. We're excited. We're tired of talking about preseason training camp storylines. We're just ready for them to play a football game that matters. James, what are you most excited about? Your first game on the beat when we get down to Houston on Sunday? I'm most excited to see Jonathan Taylor. <laughs> That's a good I answer. That's that, a really good answer. You know, <laughs> we haven't seen him since really Westfield. <laughs> I know he's really good. Um, as a just casual fan of the NFL last season, obviously he had a breakout year. And being around the team, you know, he's voted a team captain this week. So you expect big things from him. But I just want to see him and how they utilize him Amongst other things, in, in as far as the offense goes, you know, I know you'll touch on this a little bit, but Reich told us yesterday that they weren't doing anything in the preseason. So I'm excited to see how they look. And I know Matt Ryan's obviously the biggest piece of this equation, but I, I obviously, you know, to be a great player in this league, you have to do it again. And I think that's the challenge of Jonathan Taylor. That's a good answer because, and we've touched on this a little bit, like Taylor's almost been overlooked a little bit in this preseason. Like, I know that sounds crazy, but there's been so much chatter about, you know, Frank Reich and Chris Ballard and what's on stake at stake for them. Matt Ryan has gotten a lot of buzz. Shaq Leonard's injury coming back from that. Stefan Gilmore, Yannick Ngakwe. Oh, by the way, the Colts have the best running back in the league. And and I think you'll you'll see this kind of it's it's different in person with Taylor, but there is a very real sense every time he touches the ball, it could be six. Like he's done that a lot. And he did that a couple times last year where they're you know, they're facing like a third and six on their own half of the field and Taylor's gone before you blink. And it's it's really fun to watch. And and he was voted a captain yesterday along with Matt Ryan and Quentin Nelson on offense. On defense, it's DeForest Buckner, Kenny Moore the second, and Shaq Leonard and Zaire Flinken is again the special teams captain. But but Taylor's he's just one of those guys it, it, it's you're you're fortunate to cover a talent like that because with running backs, it doesn't last forever, but he should be at his peak right now and for the next couple of years, and that's going to be really, really fun to watch. 
Absolutely. And then to kind of segue away from that, you know, you want to see Matt Ryan. You know, he was asked yesterday, does he have something to prove? And he gives the answer that most athletes would. Of course, you always got something to prove. But I think that he probably has more so than others. I mean, he had a great career with the Falcons. But obviously, anytime you leave a franchise with the, after that many years, it's not in the same vein as Peyton Manning, but it's it's similar. Like you've been somewhere for a long time. You've had a lot of success. You've done a lot of great things. And the question becomes, OK, can you do it somewhere else? Do you still have enough uh, left in the tank? I know that has to fuel him like he's 37. He's not super young, but he's also in his mind, probably not over the hill. So he wants to prove like, hey, I can still be elite at this position. He's going to go to the Hall of Fame. He has all the stuff on his on his resume, but it's like, you know, he's still chasing. Obviously, the Super Bowl, which is only week one. But I think beyond that, it, it's that internal desire to prove anyone wrong and, and just and to say, like, I'm still good enough to be an elite quarterback in this league. So um, when you have a team sort of give up on you, in a sense, that becomes some motivation. I know he's going to give us the classic QB answers and and say all the right things. And I'm not even getting on him about that. I mean, if I was in his shoes, I'd probably say the same things. However, I'm excited to see him finally get out there. Do I think it's going to be smooth sailing the entire time? No, not necessarily because of him, but because of the players he's going to have to rely on. You know, you've got some young guys who are going to have to step up. However, I do think that this opponent, the Houston Texans, they're not all that great. I mean, they're better than they, they, they've been, you know, I, I believe last year. So it'll be a challenge. But I think this is the game to kind of, if you're going to pick a game to ease into, you know, what you want to do, how you want to look. You know, you, you want to look good. You want to play well. But I do think this is the game to kind of ease him into it, along with everything else you're trying to do. Yeah, let's talk about Matt Ryan for just a minute. I um, I wrote a big story about him that came out this week. He's kind of a hard guy to write about. There's not a lot of very interesting, unique things to his story. He's just a really good high school quarterback, was a good college quarterback, and has been a really good NFL quarterback. And there's nothing really off the field that grabs at you. But in talking to him and talking to a lot of people around him, I don't think he'll ever say this, but I think he was a little ticked off at the way things ended in Atlanta. And I think he, he's too smart, he's too polished to come out and say that. I think he's very appreciative of his 14 years there, but the fact that they were openly chasing Deshaun Watson with all of the accusation against Watson and with all that Matt Ryan did for Atlanta, remember, he was the first pick after the Michael Vick saga, and he really rebuilt that franchise and made it very stable, and they won division championships, and they almost won that Super Bowl, and they were really good that year. And for them to just kind of openly... I don't want to say diss him, but doesn't it feel like that? Kind of like, hey, we're going to go chase your successor, even though he's been accused of some really awful things. And I don't know how that makes you feel, but we're still going to do it. Like, that had to piss him off, right? Like, if you're a competitor, yes. if you're a guy with pride, like, that had to piss him off. I don't care what anyone says. If someone is shopping for your replacement, especially publicly, you're going to get mad. I don't care what the circumstances is. Again, we'll touch on it a little bit, but like the Peyton Manning to Andrew Luck era, like that was everyone understood it. And even Peyton Manning himself had to understand it. But you're still going to be mad. I mean, because that's just a personal thing. It's, it's for anyone. If anyone, all of us have jobs, adults that is, I'm finally in adult life, Lord have mercy. But, um, you know, if someone chooses you over the next person, if you chooses somebody else over you, you're going to take that personally. So I do think there's going to be a bit of, you know, personal angst against that. So, and I think that's natural. I think you need that as a competitor. And we've talked about it with Shaq Leonard. Like, 
you find whatever you can to just motivate you or to give you an extra edge, whether it's real or not. I think in Matt's case, it's very real. However, you know, it might not be as dramatic as maybe I'm making it seem. However, they moved on from you. They chose someone yeah. else over you. And they didn't even, they even get really him. Had him. And they didn't even exactly. get him. <laughs> like they chose the chance of getting him. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. That has to, you know, burn inside of you. And I, and I think it, I think it does. The thing with Matt is, you know, talking to him in his locker yesterday, I think he knows that. He was talking about like the pressure, the expectations. I mean, he knows he's the key to taking this team, you know, to its potential in a sense. Like, what does that look like in the end? I don't know. But I think on paper, this is a playoff team. I think he knows that. I think he knows that the expectation is that. He didn't come here to be sitting at home in January. That's for sure. Oh, no, not a chance. I mean, I know he loves his family and we all do, but uh, no, no way. That's going to be fascinating. He said all the right things. He said yesterday, I'm as motivated as I've ever been. You know, is that the truth? You know, only Matt Ryan can answer that. But he certainly, and this was a big part of the story, and and this is something that's sort of come to me. And it's not like I'm going out and asking about the former quarterback. We all know that storyline. But the feeling I get from talking to people inside the building every single day, people that are coming up to me saying, I can't even explain to you how different it is than last year just the way Matt Ryan has settled the building. There's just a belief and a calm about the quarterback position there wasn't last year. We don't need to harp on this, but it tends to manifest itself both on the field and off. On the field, the Colts didn't know what was going to happen snap to snap because Carson Wentz is just an unpredictable quarterback. Now, he made some absolutely great plays, and the quarterback saved the offensive line a lot of times. If you don't remember this, go back and watch the tape. However, I don't need to go into this, but Carson made a lot of dumbass plays too that got them in some really tough situations and lost them games. So they feel like with Matt Ryan, there is less unpredictability, there's less unknown, and they feel good about that. They feel good about the way they're going to run the offense, and I think the offense is going to look a lot more like it did in 2020 with Rivers, a lot more stuff over the middle where Matt Ryan's very accurate. They're going to use Pittman a lot in those areas of the field. I'm thinking crossers comebacks maybe on the sideline a little bit bubble screens they're going to sort of use Pittman in a way that gets him the ball quickly and lets him make plays as opposed to the quarterback scrambling for four or five seconds which puts more pressure on the offensive line etc but anyway to put a bow on Matt Ryan year 15 I really do feel like he feels rejuvenated in a little bit you know he spent nine weeks coming to Indianapolis spending five days in town going back to Atlanta in the spring basically just living alone during the week living over at West 56th Street getting to know his new teammates getting to know the playbook he knows this is his last stop and I think he knows there's a lot of there's a lot to like about what's around him and he doesn't have to be spectacular he doesn't have to be the 2016 version that won the MVP but let's let's see what happens I can't tell you that he's going to be great because I don't know it's going to be fun and, and I think you're right about Houston they just they just don't have a lot of talent, especially on defense. And, and we'll see what happens Sunday down there. But I don't think the Colts should have much of a problem, which is probably a good thing. But then I'm not overlooking week two in Jacksonville, so we'll see. But oh, Lord. <laughs> the other big name this week, James, is Shaq Leonard. I'd yes. say there's a possibility that he plays. What do you think as of right now? It's Thursday morning. I would still say no mainly because of what you just previously said. Do you really need him against the Texans? Yeah, but they're not going to say that. Exactly. They're not going to say that. I will. Um, but I think I think it's a calculated risk you have to look at. Is it worth 
getting him back out there. And I know Shaquille will probably want to be back out there Sunday and probably thinks he can be because that's just kind of his demeanor, his personality. But do you want to risk that for the week 14, week 15, week 16, Shaquille, you get down the road. So if he needs more time to kind of become acclimated to rev back up his engine to become the maniac again, you give it to him. It is encouraging, obviously, to have him back in practice. I asked Matt about his energy. And he's like, you hear him basically before you see him. And that's kind of how Shaq that's is. That's how it's always been. He's just been different. Yeah. 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 And I think that's a good thing. Also, joke with Zaire and asked him, was like, hey, your buddy's back, you know, on the field. What was it like, you know, having him back out there? He's like, oh, his energy is great. He's like a coach on the sideline when he was out. And I was like, coach, do you think Shaquille Leonard could be a coach? And he's like, man, I don't know. <laughs> he's kind of crazy. The kids, the kids too, these days are too soft. I don't think he could do that. And, and, it, and quite honestly, there's no way that is even in, in Shaq's mind. Like, I know he was doing everything he could while he was out. I saw it firsthand, wrote a story about it. You all can check it out on The Athletic about him being at camp on the, on the during the two-a-days with the, with the Lions and, I mean, the joint practices with the Lions. And he's literally inches away from the field, barking out orders, talking trash, but he's not playing. So I know as much as people appreciated Coach Leonard, they want the, they want the linebacker that's an all-pro and he wants to be that. So will we see that Sunday? I would say no. I think that they're being smart about the whole thing. Why would you give it away when you, when you don't have to make Houston prepare if anything, make him prepare more just because he could possibly be out there. I thought it was interesting that Chap asked, you know, uh, Reich, like, you know, do you kind of think about the reps you're giving him? And if that takes away from anyone else and things like that, he might ask Gus Bradley this as well. But I still think that it's, it's worth getting him out there on the practice field. Is it worth getting him out there in the game right away? Probably not, is my opinion. Yeah, I, I'm going to go with what you think. And they don't, they're not going to say this, but I they've been running circles around this, which has been really weird. They've been like, yeah, he could play, but I don't think he's going to, but he could play. And it's kind of like, okay, guys, like let's listen to what Chris Ballard said last week, a couple weeks ago. He said, he said he needs to practice. He needs to practice. And as of right now, before Houston, Darius Shacklander would only get six full practices. I don't know if that's enough. Remember, Ballard compared this to him starting in training camp because he hasn't done anything football-wise you know, since Jacksonville of last year, since January. So I just think that's not enough time. They're playing the long game. They want him to be healthy in October and November and December. But the other thing is what you mentioned. They shouldn't need Shaq Leonard in Houston on Sunday. They absolutely should be able to go down there and win by double digits without their best defensive player. If they can't, we got big problems to talk about on Monday morning. But the Colts obviously cannot say that. Now, he has no medical limitations, Frank Reich didn't dismiss the idea of a pitch count, but with Leonard, it's a little bit different. Like, could he play? Absolutely, he could play. I really believe that based on what we've seen. I would think that they would hedge their bets and just be safe and just be safe for this first one and then ramp him up further next week. But with Shaq Leonard, you never want to you never want to assume anything. We'll see. I don't know how exciting this game's going to be on Sunday. I, I just don't think it's going to be that appealing to the eyes unless the Colts just roll them. We'll have to find out. You know, Brandon Cooks is really the only guy that scares me on Houston's team. They're going to start Davis Mills at quarterback. There's a couple old friends from Indianapolis on the on the roster in Houston. Philip Dorsett is a starting wide receiver. And Jerry Hughes, who was that first-round pick at defensive end who flamed out after a couple years in Indy and then had a really good run in Buffalo for about a decade. He's on the roster as well. 
Colts' old friend Pep Hamilton is is running the show as the offensive coordinator as well. But I'm putting you on the spot, James. What's your prediction for Sunday? I think the Colts get a dub, and I'll go something conservative. I'll go 26-17. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. So last year they beat him 30 to 3 and 31 to 3. There's the biggest the 58 point dif- difference is the biggest in the history of the series. I think that there's going to be hiccups with the offense and there's it's not going to just hit the ground running right away. Now you can also, you know, play this back and put me in on what is it old takes exposed or whatever, <laughs> which is fine, but I just think that there's going to be some a, a little bit of sputtering out of the gate and I do think cuz of Brandon Cooks Houston could have some big playability as much as their defense has really looked good throughout camp. I mean, they dominated most days. I think there is some, some continuity you have to kind of build there. You're relying most likely on Nick cross rookie safety. Could there be a player two that gets him burned? Possibly. Yeah. Is there something, yeah. Is there something he hasn't seen? Like Zaire said at his locker yesterday, everyone in the NFL is lying about something. And for him and others, he's prepared. For Nick, it's you can only go based off of what you've seen. Obviously, you look at film and whatever else, but you know how it is in this league. You attack rookies. So I'm interested to see how it goes. I do think there it'll be a comfortable win, though. Like I don't think there will be a time where any of us are like really worried that oh well i'm never i'm never worried about the colts because i'm not the one <laughs> making the decisions but you know what i mean like that i'm concerned that they will lose the game if that makes sense the games last year came at the perfect time i think the first game was right after the the heartbreaker against tennessee i want to say and you know the colts were coming off these bitter losses and they just came into houston and they just took care of business they just ruled them i think Taylor had a huge run early in the first one. And the second one, Kenny Moore made this great interception on the sideline on the, on the Texans' first drive, and it was over. It was over from there. You touched on something that's fascinating is, is the offensive balance. And I have a story coming out later this week that sort of touches on, you know, they got away from that late last season. And I know you weren't covering the team, but you know what happened in Jacksonville. You know what happened against the Raiders. And obviously a lot of the blame is shifted on Carson Wentz, but it wasn't just Carson. They really got away from the offensive balance they wanted. The line didn't play well those last two weeks, and I'm not sure the receivers were getting open as much as, much as they wanted. Now, the, the blame on, on Carson is merited. He played very poor in those last two games. But, you know, Reich, this is something that Reich beat himself up over a lot those first couple months after the season ended was just how poorly they ended the season in the past game. And obviously we talked about all the different 
reasons for that. But the bottom line is how do you balance having a star running back in the NFL in 2022 when you have to throw the football? Just just listen to this stat. And Frank Reich and I have talked about this a lot over the last couple months. The Colts finished 28th in passing last year. 28th. 10 of the top 11 teams in that category made the playoffs. 10 of 11. And the one thing, the one team that didn't was the Chargers, who, you know, if they had won that last game against the Raiders, they make it as well. So Frank Reich knows it's a passing league, and his challenge is to create and run and call an efficient offense with a star in the backfield. They don't have the same talent at wide receiver as they do at running back. That's the reality. So how do they do that? That's going to be that's going to be one of the more fascinating things that I watch the first five or six or ten games is. You know, what's the balance? You know, Frank Reich likes that 55 pass, 45 run balance. But it's different when you have a guy like Taylor who can erupt at any moment and who keeps defenses honest. But last year, for the fans that remember, it was really obvious late in the year. Frank didn't say anything to criticize Carson Wentz, but his play calls showed you how scared he was of his quarterback. They're running the ball, running the ball against 11-man boxes late against the Patriots. They're running the ball against completely stacked boxes. And Taylor being Taylor, he breaks it open for a 67-yard touchdown run. Unbelievable cut he makes in the hole to get free against Hightower, I believe. But that's going to be fascinating against, you know, Michael Pittman, who I thought was as good as anybody in camp, especially against the Lions. He was dominant. Can that, Ryan, get him going to maybe take a little bit less off Taylor? And then we've talked about this a lot. It's Campbell and it's Pierce and it's it's Doolin and it's the rest of the wide receivers. But can they be a little bit unpredictable on offense? And I thought we were talking about this in the press room yesterday. The best offense Frank Reich has had in Indy, now he's had five different quarterbacks, everybody knows that, was those last six or seven games in 2018 when he had Andrew Luck. And Andrew Luck could be Andrew Luck, but he didn't have to be. That was when Marlon Mack came on. That was when Quentin and the offensive line really started to take over. So I think in a perfect world, that's what it looks like. You have a quarterback who can do things and can win you games. And I still think Matt Ryan can do that, especially late when the game's on the line. He's been really good at that in his career. But the key is to having that balance, and they really got away from that. And and you you mentioned this earlier. You know, this is important. Frank Reich said this week, you know, in the preseason, we did nothing. We did nothing. We were so generic in every way. So we haven't seen the creativity we're going to see yet. And I think we're going to be surprised a little bit Sunday. But that's one of these things that's kind of gotten overlooked with Matt Ryan's arrival. Everyone just assumes they're going to have a perfect balance on offense. It's not going to be perfect, but it's really fun to watch Frank Reich game plan and scheme and do things when he has a quarterback who will execute that idea. And we've kind of heard this in passing the last couple of weeks from coaches, from coordinators, from assistants. Like they had these plays in last year that just never got ran. And they're just, they didn't get to run the offense that they wanted to run. And there was a lot of variation and reasons why that happened. I think we know where it starts, but I think we're going to see more of that with Matt Ryan. And that's going to be fun. I think he's going to, he's going to execute the offense Frank Reich envisions on Thursday and Friday and Saturday as they finish up the game plan. So that's a really long winded way of saying, I'm excited to see what the offense looks like with Matt Ryan, because it's going to be more of what Frank Reich wants than it certainly was last year as they finished the season on the tailspin. Yes, and I actually have a question for you in regards to Matt Ryan, one of the guys protecting him, Quentin Nelson. Does the deal get done before the season opener? You know what's going to happen? 
I'm going down to the Ursay show on Friday night. I'm taking my wife. It's going to happen right when I'm leaving. I know it. It's going to break. You know, I'll be honest. I've covered a lot of contract extensions with this team, and I've had a heads up on a lot of them. Oh, we're getting close. I got nothing on this one. And I think that's Quentin's preference. They are saying nothing. And I might ask Quentin today in the locker room if I if I see him. I don't think he'll like the question, but... Um, you know, some guys have a deadline, right? Like, we want it to be done by the opener. Now, Naheem Hines' contract, same situation last year, a little bit less money. That was done the Friday before the opener. But long-term, I'm not worried about it either way. I think it'll get done. I think Quentin will get a fat lump of cash, which he deserves. Ballard is not going to let him out, out the door. Neither is Jim Irsay. I don't think Quentin's a guy that would let it bother him if he doesn't get it done by Friday. If he doesn't get it done before the start of the regular season, I think Quentin's a guy that just goes out there and plays football, and he's, he seems locked in to me. But he's another guy that, that and in a way, needs to have a bounce-back year. I don't think Quentin played at his standard last year. I think he would tell you that. And the nice thing this year is he's had no surgeries. Last year he had three before the season. No surgeries, a completely healthy training camp. Uh, but he's a guy to watch. And the guy next to him is the guy that gives me a little bit of worry, Matt Pryor protecting Matt Ryan's blind side. That's going to be one of the most important positions as we start the season. I agree. I agree. I mean, that's the beauty of it. We get to this game, a lot of the questions. No more time to hide, right? I know. And it's it's do or die at that point. And I love it because when the win-loss column starts to count, that's when you will understand who's a baller. And and one thing is to keep in mind, it's like we shouldn't overreact to whatever happens, either good or bad. Everybody will. Um, I'll make sure to send off some sarcastic tweets <laughs> just to just to keep the mood light. But I mean, it's week one. I do think that they should win the game. They lose the game. We should definitely be, you know, having some no type excuse. of no excuse. No yeah, excuse. Let me ask some you this. Of, I was asked this on the radio this morning. What's the what's the win record at the end of the year? And I hate that question because it's oh, impossible Lord. to predict games in December right now, right? But what we do know is they have a really important start to the season. And when we'll get into this, but Look, you got the Texans, you got the Jaguars, you got the Chiefs at home. You have another division game against the Titans at home. You go to Denver on a short week. Then you have the Jaguars and Titans again. So that's one, two, three, four, five AFC South games in your first seven. And we know what the stakes are. We know what the expectations are this season in terms of winning the division. We're going to know who this team is seven games in. I really feel like barring some crazy injury, I feel like we're going to have a really good feel on whether this team is for real through the first seven games. So my answer to you is, where do they need to be seven games in? Because the division's going to, as Zaire Franklin told me yesterday in the locker room, like the division's getting decided by the end of October. It just really is, barring some big, you know, turn of event. Like I really feel like if the Colts get out in front early and if they are able to sweep the Titans, which is no easy feat, then the, the division's theirs, as long as they don't choke it away. But where do you think they are through those first seven games? Four and three. All right, so where are the losses coming? I just feel like there is going to be a game that they more or less should win, that they might not. Looking at you, Jacksonville, I, I don't <laughs> think that... <laughs> that always happens. I mean, and that's the thing. Like, if, if I ever chose something on paper, it's like, oh, like, they're absolutely going to beat this team. But I do think there's going to be a loss against the Chiefs Lost against the Titans. I think that they're going to drop one against the Broncos. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, and you know, the Jaguars thing was a joke. I do think that they should beat them both times, you know, this season. 
However, I do think that the Colts are talented, but they're not loaded to the point where I'm like, okay, this team's been together. They're loaded with talent. They're going to just, you know, they know what they are. They don't know what they are. They know what they want to be. So I think that there's going to be some, again, some growing pains in there. However, I do think they'll have a winning record through those first seven games. And again, just make sure you pick up some division wins and you should be okay going forward. You just can't drop some really crucial games like you cannot lose I believe you really can't lose in my opinion the first two games of the year I think you should be 2-0 after that um, get off to a strong start um, in your division however if you do not if you go one and one or god forbid 0-2 or something crazy like that then obviously the whole season changes if you're 0-2 I think but I do think that's a fair assessment of the team now I know when this gets out there there might be some people who are saying this guy's not from India I get this all the time I'm not from here I don't know what indie fans would want or I should choose or I should you know whatever but that's that's not the job the job is to be you know realistic yeah, and I think four and three is it. is realistic for me if you said they were going seven no I would tell you to get out of here because that, first of all the Colts never the Colts never go seven no that's not what happens around here not since Peyton Manning I think the best thing with smart fans is to keep it real I here's what I've got more pause about week two than I do week one obviously I, I think they win in Houston on Sunday I think they could absolutely lose in, in Jacksonville in week two I think Trevor Lawrence is going to be better I think Doug Peterson is a real NFL coach as opposed to whatever the hell they had last year. I do want to see how the Jaguars look against the Commanders in Week 1 and how the Colts look against the Texans. I think that's fair. But I absolutely could see the Colts losing that one. And I don't care what anyone says. I've covered enough games. There's just something weird down there. And until they break that curse, whatever you want to call it, Jaguars can win that one, no matter what the rosters tell you. I like the Colts in Week 3 as of right now. I know that might sound crazy, but the Chiefs are a team that really get hot later in the season. And I think the Colts are going to be up for that one, depending on what happens in Week 2. I know Mahomes is coming to town. I know Kelsey. I know they can score very, very quickly. But the Colts have matched up pretty well against the Chiefs in the past. And, and I think the Colts will be up for their home opener. So I think that could be the one they win that maybe they're not supposed to. Then they need to back it up the following week. That's a huge game. And it starts with the owner who's been very, very, very ticked off at how well they've, how poorly they've played, excuse me, against the Titans the last couple of years. So you know, they know that there's a two-team race in the division. They need to win that week four game against the Titans. You probably think the Broncos win that game in Denver. I'm definitely not sold on the Broncos. I don't think they're going to run away with the AFC West, and I'm not even sure if they're going to make the playoffs in that crowded division. So let's let's learn more about the Broncos. But um, no reason why the Colts can't be 5-2 and two to start that. You know, maybe they lose to the Broncos. Maybe they lose that road game to the Titans in week seven. But you're right. You know, the the emotional and mental toll that it's taken this team to climb from the holes from these bad starts the last couple of years has been a real thing. Frank Reich, if he hasn't admitted it, he knows that in the back of his head that, you know, you start 0-3 and, and you start 1-4 and 4 like they did last year. It took a lot for them to go 9-3 and 3 in the middle of the season. And then what happened at the end? They just fell apart. And I think all those little things added up at the end. And, and obviously we touched down the offense kind of falling apart as well. But it's going to be fun. I'm ready to go. I'm tired of talking about what could be. I want to talk about what we saw in Houston. So we'll be back on either Sunday night or Monday, depending on you know when our flights work out, and we'll recap week one. But anything else you want to add, James, before we head down there? And anything else you want to see on Sunday in Houston? 
just from a writing standpoint, I did a story on Dallas Flowers, who has an incredible story that kind of yeah, nice work on that. Let him, yeah, I appreciate it. It was uh, great getting to, getting to know him, talking to him, talking to his brother, his NAIA coach. He went to four schools that quote you never heard of is, is kind of how he he put it. And I think you know, just from a peripheral standpoint, that won't be my main focus. Is seeing some of these guys who have had some crazy stories, like even Paris Campbell you know, seeing him possibly get that first catch or something and knowing what it took for them to get there is always something in the back of my mind from a human standpoint. It's like, okay, that's something where you can not necessarily cheer for the team. I don't ever cheer for the team, but you root for a person in a sense. I think that's, that's kind of just my human connection to players, people, whatever you understand, like, okay, that took a lot to, to even have that happen. And maybe that's the writer in me, but when you kind of know the backstory, it makes you a little more engaged with some of the peripheral players um whether that's on this team or even around the league so excited to see what some of these undrafted rookies uh might do on special teams and things like that and you know as i'm joking about undrafted rookies that's a big question mark there is, is special teams like hey zaire franklin i know you talked about it yesterday is this team gonna be okay on special teams after losing you know some really talented guys so that's something I'll keep an eye on. Obviously, it's not the biggest headline, but as we know, special teams matters. I mean, all three phases matter in football. And if your special teams is not able to flip the field or cover the field, you know, you're set yourself up, you know, for, for failure in other aspects of the game. So interested to see how that unfolds as well. Yeah, that's a good point. And it's, it's always been my favorite part of the job is the story behind the story. Like I was chatting with you know, of all people, Andrew Luck about this a couple of months ago. And he's like, you know, what do you, what do you like about the locker room? And I said, every guy in there has a story. Every guy, 53 guys have 53 different stories. Nobody makes the league the same way. And Dallas Flowers is a perfect example. Four schools you never heard of. And he earned his way on this roster. Nobody had him making the roster at the start of training camp. And that's, that's the beauty of this league is the unknown. And I can assure you we have a lot more in the can coming this season. This is a very interesting team with a lot of interesting guys. And there's a lot of interest and there's a lot of expectation. And that's the fun part. So we're going to go down there Sunday and see what happens. And we'll have all the coverage on The Athletic moving forward. I know we have a bunch of stories that are in the works for the next couple of weeks as well. But James's story on Dallas Flowers is up. Bob Kravitz, our colleague, has a column this morning about what's at stake this year for Chris Ballard and for Frank Reich. And I have the long read on Matt Ryan and some of the backstory of how, you know, the recruitment went and how the trade went down and how Atlanta was sort of looking to move him before they got Deshaun Watson. And they thought they had Deshaun Watson and they didn't. But lots of that and, and lots more coming Sunday from Houston. But uh, let's go do it. It's, it's the preseason's over. Training camp's over. Let's go watch a real game. So for James Boyd, I'm Zach Kiefer. This is 1% Better. Thanks for listening. And we will catch up with you guys next week.